Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 127, mm-hmm. where we are going to discuss John's frustration with social media influencers, Christians who seem to speak authoritatively for the church, and it's frustrating. Yeah, I'm I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is, and it's going to be actually two topics in one there, how John believes he is supposed to be, uh, using his influence differently than that. And perhaps there's a problem with social. I I was thinking of it this way, John, Christian influencers and other oxymorons. Yeah, that, that would be the, uh, the article in the Atlantic would be, that'd be the headline for that. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So that's that's where we're going to go. I think you'll think you'll enjoy it. And we would love, it's going to be a little bit uh, opinionated. Um, for me, maybe. And me. I'm going to jump in okay. on my opinions as well. We're well, going to, sweet. We're going to be opinionated today. I didn't expect that. I'm glad. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to get more opinions in there. Yeah. All right. Before that, it is a Joker story time, and it is your turn this week. I have Dos Jokos. That, we're off to a great start. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get it over The first with. one's way man <laughs> get it over with yeah come on okay uh <laughs> one's a shorter joke very short the other one's a little longer okay okay a pastor a rabbit and a priest walk into a bar and the bartender says to the rabbit what are you drinking he said i don't know i'm only here because of autocorrect because he's a rabbi right yeah pretty good huh yeah <laughs> I had to I had to stifle my laugh because oh, I, I bet you did. spit into this yeah. microphone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kids on the playground, you know how kids can do the my dad's better than your dad thing? Yeah, yeah. So one kid says, My dad is so good with words. He writes a few words on a page, calls it a poem, thousand dollars. The other kid says, My dad, he's so good with words. He writes words on a page, calls it a song. Third kid says, my dad's a pastor. He writes some words on a page, calls it a sermon, takes six guys to carry all the money. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. You laughed at that one. I laughed at that one. Humor is all about the surprise. Yeah. So was I surprised that the rabbit's a rabbi? Not really. Uh, You had to think for a second. You've heard it before. I think I told it to you over the weekend. So you were... You were unfairly influenced. You, I think you giggled the first time I told you. It might have been a pity giggle. I've been like, yeah. No. Oh man, you're just rubbing <laughs> it in. Well, let's get into your opinions then, Mister. Mister. Uh, I should have. I should have buttered you up a little more. Yes, now you should have. Uh, you might roast me. A little I'm bit. coming for you, Ricky Booby. <laughs> okay, so John's got an opinion about uh, your calling as it pertains to public influence. Well, I had. I was thinking about this. I was. Um, I'm hit or miss with, I don't like to confidently say when God tells me things because they can get misused or, uh, or even in my own belief in things, I, I go back and forth between thinking it's a lack of faith and, and caution. But like, I, I don't, if I feel like God has told me something, I don't hold onto it like scripture. You know, I, I, I hold it loosely. That's wise. Yeah. And so, uh, 
I feel like I heard recently in Time with God um, the the phrase called to be a pilgrim. That phrase, so pilgrim specifically, called to be a pilgrim. Now, let's pause and, one for a second here, John. Sure. Um, how many times would you say in your life you've sensed God speaking to you? I used to be only one. And then the more I spend time with them, the more I realize that the number's higher than that. Yeah. And in things, small things, one of them, uh, which I didn't, most of these I wouldn't talk about super publicly, except for in hindsight. Sure. After the fact. So things like this one, like, That's uh, what hindsight I was, means. well, I'm just, you know, <laughs> a guy tells me a rabbit rabbi joke. I'm going to start breaking down the concepts for him. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> oh, boy. I, uh, I had made a commitment to eliminate my student loans, mine, Lindsay student loans, mm-hmm. uh, private loans before we uh, decided to get a house. Yeah. More out of just wisdom, not out of any inclination. And then I had this sense God was saying, and I, especially I wouldn't talk about this one before the fact because it is about material sure. gains. It is value of my, you know, it, it increases my net. It, it's all a little, it can get a little icky. Right. But I thought God said, uh, if you do that first, I'll give you a house. I'll just, I'll just I'll just land one in your lap, and I was like, okay, and so, <laughs> I'll take that deal. Yeah, and so I didn't like that one wasn't like a big moment. I right. just had that sense about it. Yeah, and so we paid off our loans, and in a crazy market, we looked at a total of one house, and we got that one house, and we paid four grand above asking, and there was yeah. And now, so the reason I was asking because I know you're on this journey yeah. with a small group of people and. Uh, you're practicing more concentrated time right. alone with God, and this is dialing in your ears a little bit. Would that be accurate? Yeah, and I didn't know. I wasn't totally sure that was going to happen. But just, you know, um, I don't know how exactly to put it, but you recognize certain I, – I always Promptings? Thought, I like yeah. I like that word. Promptings, Promptings. is great. I yeah. always doubted myself because I thought in, in Scripture the way – uh, like the early church fathers wrote about it, you know, the spirit wouldn't let us go there. So we went here instead. Like that's yeah. certainty. That yeah. is like no doubt. So I was like, well, if I have to really scratch my head about it, could it really be a word from God? Right. right. And I do think that maybe surely God could be clear if he wanted to be right. And I wonder if I was actually more faithful in, in requesting answers for things, uh, yeah. then those might be really clear. Yeah. Reading uh, the beginnings of in the name of Jesus by Henry Nowen. He didn't specify exactly what, how this happened, but he said he prayed for guidance because he was in a spiritual drought and it became, it became undeniable. Clear. Yeah. yeah. He and it, say was, how and that it was, was a radical but, idea. What right. came to him was a radical a idea. Huge, yeah. A huge diversion. Okay. We're so, kind of off the deal. Well, no, I'm, no. I'm, okay. This is context for, for okay. what this was. So I, this is when I, when this phrase popped in my head called to be a pilgrim, it was the same, the same inclination or same, you, you used a great word for it. Prompting. Prompting. As other times this has happened, one way back when I was in high school was uh, about me being a reporter. That was the only one I would have used before, uh, you know, these recent recent examples. Right. So the thought here was, uh, in a way, it is, so, so the dichotomy in my head is between a pilgrim figure and a master figure, a, a, a teacher, a sensei, you know, like a, like a. A person yeah. at the top. And so a, person a pilgrim who, is an explorer. A searcher. Uh, yeah, a learner. A learner. So it, for me, it was the uh, the permission. It, it, it was my thought was, what if I could, in all glory of God and in all honesty with my peers, never 
consider myself a teacher, a master. And the thing, the reason this to, this to me was complicated is because a teacher gives, in my opinion, a a searcher, a learner soaks up. Mm-hmm. So it it feels like, what if I was selfish my whole life? So in a in a in a way, as far as what I'm here to do, and so. Um, this is not me saying God said I could be selfish my whole life, but that, this was my conflict, my internal conflict, was because I viewed the idea. Oh, because you're the, thinking if I, that pilgrim posture really love you love that posture, right? Right, because you're just it's about what I learn, right? So if a teacher is what can I do for my fellow man, you know it's different, and so clearly, obviously, I believe that even in a pilgrim lifestyle, the whole point is service. So it's not that you're you're forfeiting service in this lifestyle, but it was what if it takes I, you out of the crosshairs though. It does take you out of the crosshairs, which I you obviously is a blessing to me. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Um, <laughs> but really, practically, we're speaking kind of lofty, not practical terms. But practically, it would be um, I would never uh, – I wouldn't always offer information. When I, when, when I would be in the seat of the mentor or the teacher, it would be much more of like a um, – what's the term I'm looking for? Like a more of a counselor than a teacher. More of a, it's more Using relational. Using the Socratic than it is. method. The Socratic method. What's that? That's where you you guide through question asking, you guide through poking holes, sure, and and pushing for better answers, or specifically only once invited. You know. Okay. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. And mostly with this, it was so you would stay in the pilgrim chair until somebody invited you to share something you might know, having already walked that journey. Yeah, and largely it was in matters of opinion. Uh, we have a very kind of debate or opinion uh, obsessed culture, even um, hyper hyper current, like yes. within the past couple of years. Yeah. And uh, but my whole life, I I realized that this might have a lot to do with my upbringing because there was a lot of arguing for for sport yeah. in in my family, with especially me and my <laughs> my closest sibling. Lots of just fighting for fun. Yeah. And uh, so I was thinking, you know, and you walked out a lot of those going. That was terrible, and everybody's going. That was a great time. I actually, I enjoyed more of you them. You watched it. You enjoyed watching. Well, spe- I'm specifically me and Bethany when there was no one oh, else involved. Right. It was just me. Yeah. I enjoyed them more than I didn't, but because it was just fun, it was sparring. Yeah. You know. But later on, you know, someone asks, "You're talking about like the the national debt, right?" Yeah. And it's like I've never written for the Wall Street Journal, and you want me to have an opinion on the national debt. Ever, you know, you just kind of have to have some kind of opinion. So uh, one of these these selfish, um, what if it was okay to do this, was to just say, I don't have an opinion on that. And you're wondering, is it okay to say that? Because in our culture, it's not okay to say that. Right. But Even if though was, you're not a scientist and you're not mm-hmm. a doctor, you need to have an opinion about masks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then especially, so the way these arguments would go growing up was, or in, even in college, it was, well, uh, what if you were in charge? What would you do? And it would be for this, in this example, the life of a pilgrim would be the freedom to say and the courage to say, well, I'm not in charge and I have not read this. So I will not give you in my opinion mm. because I am not a master. I am the I am a searcher and I'm not there yet. So, so well, it, this is interesting because yeah. one of the things I ask, you know, we had these high school seniors at my house on on Monday nights during their senior year. And we play some games like this because. I think that a lot of seniors don't have conversations about subjects like this. So I mm-hmm. ask, for example, hey, the president decides that you get to call how we handle immigration. Yeah. Go. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, if it's you, you'd say, well, I'm not an expert on immigration, and therefore I have no opinion. Yeah, the president did not actually give me this authority. <laughs> <laughs> I will not play your game. Yeah, and so... Uh, Which is a party pooper answer, for one, in, the, in that specific and, context. And you're, and you're avoiding the crosshairs. Yeah, but in truth, what do you gain from my, my half-baked... Well, first of all, this is different than somebody being trying to be an influencer on social media and screaming their lungs out about immigration Mm -hmm. when they don't know anything about the economy. They've never been an immigrant. They know anything about being in a country where you are oppressed. And so they have all these opinions. So uh, I can value that. Yeah, sure. So that's a different. And we're going to get to this conversation next about how should Christians behave on social media. But we're starting, the, it begins with this question, is it okay for you, John, to always be a pilgrim and never be a master? Yeah, and so the general, because I thought of this as a specific life way, so like, because I believe that everyone is a pilgrim, right, in a poetic way, everyone's like searching and learning. Well, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, exactly. Are, yes. So, uh, but looking at even just biblical authors, so I looked at the difference between uh, Luke and John and their gospels. John is no doubt about, it. I mean, he wrote this thing when he was like 80. He is a master. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this a long time and his writing, there's big chunks of editorializing where uh, no quotes around it. It's just him writing the truth of the nature of God yeah. because he's a master. Yeah. And Luke is, uh, is a historian. He's just recording. He's just writing down what he saw. And he did not become a believer until after the resurrection. Yeah, he never met Jesus. So he's... Or did he meet him resurrected or no? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. But he um, is a physician and a historian. So he's kind of seeking to do a Josh McDowell thing, you know, kind of uh, evidence that demands a verdict. I'm not familiar with that, who that is. Uh, well, he's kind of in the news right now, unfortunately, but he's a Christian apologetics guy. Gotcha. And he wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict and helping gotcha. helping people who are caught up on the cerebral approach to God to get their questions answered. Sure. And so Luke's kind of doing that. He's kind of saying, hey, for those of you who might be doubting the divinity of Jesus or doubting who he was, I did all this homework and research. And He's here, interviewing and he, people. Yeah, and, and here's the story. And the only times you ever are aware of him as a person at all is when he uses plural pronouns he says we like yeah. three or four times like yeah. that's about it yeah so uh so that would be and it's not to say that luke wasn't a master it, it really the terms aren't supposed to be all that um they're neutral because i but what i'm saying here is that you could be called to be the teacher to be not necessarily uh in, in culturally relationally a pilgrim that you you're you're there to, to lead people a leader is, is it actually a better a better term for it and for one, the pilgrim by natural wouldn't be a leader uh, uh, as far as relationally with people. And then we could get into this a little later, but but some relationships demand authority. So like parenthood, uh, sometimes in spousal relationships, things like that. You couldn't, in all areas of your life, you couldn't say, well, I actually, I forfeit this authority. You couldn't uh, practically do that. No, you couldn't. And it wouldn't and, be right to do that. Right. And if you had direct reports on your job. Right. You would have to provide a level of authoritative leadership. So that's different. That's that's required of you. Yeah. My question. And none of this would be involved with shirking responsibilities. Right. Or right. Not you have to do people. the job. Right. Yeah. Right. And you have to do the parenting job and whatever. Yeah. So, and, and if your wife, if Lindsay asks you your opinion on something, you can't say, well, I don't 
I don't. I'm not going to have an opinion. About that. <laughs> I know. Um, so no, because there are needs that you have to meet. Yeah, but generally speaking, you're. I think what I'm hearing you say is you you had this insight. I think maybe I'm called to be in the pilgrim chair as a lifestyle, mm-hmm. and just because that custom fits my nature doesn't mean it's not also my calling well in fact that could be chicken or the egg it could be it is my calling it is my nature because it is my calling Mm -hmm. and so generally i think of this as far as uh, authorship and and writing it would be service to people and exploration of ideas Mm -hmm. into the public sphere so you still could have a cross cross hair on you but from the seat of the searcher so there wouldn't you've you've experienced this even in just our conversations where you you'll say a grand statement and i'll go really <laughs> that big of a statement you know so you wouldn't see a lot of those in it right but then it, that brings us into this more so than ever we have the ability to reach insane amounts of people so we were talked about today about uh twitter that's how it got into this kind of it uh, well let me influencer. pause for a second i want to ask you a question sure so let's say on matters of murder hey yeah. john do you think um murderers should have at least life without parole, if not the death penalty. Are you going to say, well, I'm just a pilgrim. I don't have an opinion on that. I mean, to an extent, I would say, I don't know our laws to that extent on, uh, uh, mentally handicapped people. If a, if a man with the IQ of a, of a 10 year old kills somebody with a weapon, like not manslaughter, like he murdered them. Do I think that person should be given life parole at the minimum or life sentence at the minimum? Not necessarily. I don't know that much. Okay, and then what about abortion? Mm-hmm. Except in um, rape, John, would you, you know, if somebody says, I want your opinion about abortion, as a Christian, you're, I think this is part of your question. Am mm-hmm. I allowed to say I'm a pilgrim? Yeah, and I, that is one matter where I feel like I've done more reading and I do have an actual opinion on. But the the point of this exploration is, yeah, I think that you could have in all in all uh without without shame to say no i don't actually know enough about that to give you an opinion and so there are christians who are offended by that yes yeah and would say come on man this is this is simple john this is this is uh right or wrong and it's not debatable if you're a bible believing christian they would say um you shouldn't even have to think twice about this yeah and so it would frustrate them um, I find the same thing true when I talk to, um, I would say, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take the risk here. When I talk to senior citizen white men who had very difficult childhoods, mm. carved out a living with hard work, tons of sacrifice, maybe through the depression, you know, came from poverty, uh, couldn't go to college, had, you know, they've, get, they've earned everything they've got. And when they hear the term white privilege, it makes their blood boil. Sure, sure. And so when I explore, um, you know, that, hey, many of us were born on third base, think we hit a triple. Or I explore, you know how hard your life was. Man, it really was hard. Now imagine if you were black. Did it just get harder or less hard? Yeah. It's it's almost insulting to these to these men who've, who have earned it like yes. that or struggled like that. Yeah. And so for them, it's offensive that I'm even exploring this as a pilgrim yeah rather than just saying boy you're right yeah you know for sure 
a big was that the sorry was i no it's that, i'm rambling now yeah but. no that was i i agree that part of where this comes from is is uh i used to have more opinions like that more wholesale sweeping things mm-hmm. i once uh talk about crosshairs and it, i don't know if our listeners would be particularly mad at this but i used to believe that uh every uh homosexual or or uh gender confused person would have some traumatic event that they either believe, remembered or did not remember. Otherwise, they wouldn't be where they are. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, most of that was cultural. A lot of people believe that theologically that God would not or could not create a, a person gay from birth. Mm-hmm. But one of, you know, my largest, uh, uh, I don't know, revelations or, or belief changes since we've been doing this mm-hmm. uh, was came from uh learning more about uh the in utero uh what is that called development the, the developmental process and the immediately uh post birthing development process uh the the uh hormone cocktails that that mm-hmm. uh, uh fetuses i i this will let slip my abortion opinions but fetuses is a, is kind of a, a, a too too clean term it's a baby the the, the little right. in uterine in uterine child anyway all of this learning that how simply things can go wrong and this was the beginning of realization that all of us that i don't believe it is wrong to say god could create a person gay from birth because he creates people in sin from birth every day of every you know every day that's ever been right so a uh, a person a baby born with fetal alcohol syndrome, a uh, baby born with uh, some form of OCD, ADHD, bipolar disorder, all of these things are the same. All of it is fallen humanity. Mm-hmm. So, and I, that that belief I said about you know all of them having some traumatic memory they don't remember is uh, presumptuous, harmful. Yeah, uh, and it was uneducated. Mm-hmm. So this that wasn't necessarily the cornerstone of this aha, uh-huh, but it is something I go back to and I think about how many of those do I have? You know, how many of those uh, sweeping, really confident beliefs do I have that really don't have anything underneath them? They have no foundation. And this is where, um, in that example, a gay or gender confused person hopefully we'll will adopt the saying we've recently adopted do not ascribe malevolence where ignorance will suffice right and they would say john's just ignorant right and not think that you hate gays exactly and, i would hope not yeah and so um this is really a it's it's turning into a broad sense of um humility versus mm-hmm. arrogance and hubris um um, an acknowledgement of a very limited capacity to even know things. Mm-hmm. I got six pounds of brain. I'm going to try to figure out the whole world with six pounds of brain. Right. And, um, and the, the learner, the stay in the learner chair. I had, a, I had a guy say one time, he's, this guy was like 75 when he told me this, he said, my dad asked me, he said, I was going through a certain situation, trying to reach a conclusion about something. And he said, my dad asked me one day, have you, have you reached a conclusion? And I said, yes, I have. And he said, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and he said, why? He said, because that means you quit thinking. Hmm. And so I've, because that's really stuck with me. And, yeah. I, and I try to stick with this phrase, I've reached a current conviction. There you go. So almost all of my uh, things, I reach a current conviction because I do have 
no matter how much time I've studied, even if I've got the thousand hours of tipping point or whatever, uh, uh, um, not that tipping point. Um, outliers. Outliers. Yeah. Even if I have the thousand hours of experience. 10,000. 10,000 hours. I still have a limited scope. Yeah. And so um, to to have the humility to say, this is my current conviction, but I might learn something I haven't known and alter that conviction. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, the other growth areas I've had have been in more confidence of convictions. And that's where, you know, we talked a little bit ago and had a question from a listener about when we talked about exploration and, and different faith expressions about, well, how far does that go? What if that leads you into to Islam? You know, yeah. things like that. And that's where the bedrock of the the home base of scripture yeah. is really the the um, keeping keeping a true north and still learning and still exploring and still you know asking questions. It, it it's really a a great model. Well, there are things I can know, and mm-hmm. there are lots of things I I can understand to at least a limited degree, and there are some things I cannot know. Yeah, and it's helpful to know the difference. Yeah. Um. So here's my question to you. This is all of this is about Jonathan saying, this is my call to be a pilgrim, not a master. And I am. So my question is, could somebody else have the call? My call is to be a master. And I would say, absolutely. I would say, what would that look like? That would look like a lot of the uh, leaders that, well, and here's the problem in, in other ways that I've talked about where you can have strengths. And or you can have a, a temperament, and that temperament comes with great strengths and great weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So it, it, every my, temperament, comes every with temperament, great strengths every and great single weaknesses. one. Yeah. So the temperament of a master—that's people you could point to on both sides of successful and not successful. It's people who are you know insisting on their own ways and pretty selfish and and uh, maybe a little egotistical. And it's people who are you know the best leaders we know or or the best masters in a field. I think. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to think of specific examples, but who who's a leader that you really really look up to, and and admire? Um, there's a guy named Larry Osborne down in California, and he would you call him a master or a pilgrim? I would call him both, but I would say that he does have areas where he believes he's cracked the code, and I think that not in all ways, but I think a lot of leadership is. Unless you're going to be, you know, twiddling your thumbs like, guys, I think we should do this. You know, you can't do that. You have to be, you have to have a level well, of confidence a to, even, being, to even lead people. Yeah, I mean, decisions must be made. I remember right. when you were young and you were a pilgrim and mm-hmm. it was time for you to make a decision and you wouldn't want to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And you were nervous that you'd make the wrong decision because I'm still learning. What if I don't know? What if I make an uneducated decision? And I, I tried to teach you, I don't know if you remember this, when you were, you know, 12, 13, 14, John, the best decision you can make is the right one. And the second best decision you can make is the wrong one. But the worst decision you could make is no decision. I don't remember that when I was 12 through 14. I remember when I was 18, we went to Gettysburg and that was a quote from, uh, they showed it in that curriculum. I forget who that quote was from. Maybe me. I don't (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but I did write it down in my journal for that trip. Yeah. So, um, so you have to have a level of ma- I guess my question is someone being a master. I would I would what you're describing to me is people who exercise a higher degree of certainty than others. Yeah. And that certainty, they've reached enough of a conviction that they're going to operate with certainty even if they don't have 100% certainty. Well, and those people are a gift. 
exactly. decisive people who, because somebody needs to move us forward. This needs to keep going. Or even because maybe, you know, a big part of this is uh, confidence and uh, and doubt or faith in doubt. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to biblical examples, most of the protagonist figures that we see in scripture are our masters and with the exception of maybe a guy like Moses Moses would be a pilgrim leader and uh and we see the highs and lows of that as we follow him through you know his whole life yeah but a guy like Paul or David or many others primarily Paul would be a good example Paul's a great he's example. a he's a master yeah. that he's not asking it a lot of never questions occurs to him that he might be wrong no, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's probably why him and his first buddy split up uh uh Oh, uh, Barnabas, Saul, and Mark. Okay, so it must have been yeah. Barnabas. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so, look, so a guy like uh, uh, like Paul, Paul, and then we don't hear much editorializing from Timothy, but it sounds more like Timothy is a is a pilgrim. Mm-hmm. He's going to these places. He's doing great work and he's serving. Yeah, and Paul's urging him, "Hey, don't let them make fun of you because you're young. Right. You set an or example and you start leading this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So." Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a second. And after that, we're going to pivot now from, okay, some people are pilgrims, some people are masters by calling mm-hmm. in, in, this, in this conversation. This is, yeah. your, this is your current conviction. Absolutely. Am I, that's a great way. To and uh, then the question is, uh, since it's okay for some to be pilgrims and some to be masters, how should we behave on social media? And this is now the next conversation about how we publicly communicate, because as we all know, and this is ironic because you do social media for a living, Mm -hmm. but you hate social media and do not engage as a private person. (laughs) And so this is, this is ironic, ironic. Um, but, um, there is a lot of bad behavior going on in the name of Christianity on the social media, um, what do you call those people? Uh, uh, influencers, influencers, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so we want to we want to kind of tackle that as our next little subject to segue out of the master pilgrim, and then how do we behave on social media? So yeah. before that, John, let's hear your social media review, and then we'll take a short break. <laughs> you mean media review? Yeah, I said social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Right. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be another musical album. I have had a sort of. Saga. I've been I've been leading you through whole arcs of music. This one's just for fun. This one's not part of the arc of music. I'll get back to more jazz. Now, what makes something an arc of music versus just music? I've been I've been uh, uh, leading. Oh, with I see. music. I you know with jazz. I, I you ease you, you try to sell us jazz. Yeah, and well, and you know logically how I got from one genre to the next. Yeah, this is just a good good album. This is just, this one's just for fun. Okay, and it's semi related. I don't know. I could probably make it related. This album is The Man in Black mm. by Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. uh, 1971. Uh, in you know the mythos of Johnny Cash, yeah. this is immediately <laughs> after he married June Carter and got saved and gave up drugs. Wow. And so this whole album, uh, it's amazing. The, the big one on the album is The Man in Black. And it's when he sings about why he wears black all the time. But all of these are... Uh, they're nearly protest songs, a lot of them. He sings mm. about the war in Vietnam. The reason he says that he wears all black is for, he says, he says uh, for all the people in the back, all the people, the, the sick and dying old, people who have never read or heard the words of Jesus, the drug addicts, 
all the people in the back up front, there should be a man in black to make you think of those guys. Oh. And until we start moving towards those guys, you're never going to see me in a suit of white. Wow. That's the whole point of the song. It's, it's really cool. That is cool. He's got my favorite on the song on the album is called If Not For Love. And he's talking about other people and how if not for love, he would be as desperate and destitute as anybody. If Man. not for the love of God. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, and then he's got normal Johnny Cash stuff. Ned Kelly's about a outlaw in, in uh, Australia. Mm. You know, but that, but most of them have, uh, have a message. Uh, I talk to Jesus every day. He sings that with his wife. That one's great. It's it's awesome, and, and that and that whole album's called the Man in Black. The Man in Black, yeah. Also, top twenty album covers. It's him in a suit of black on a black stage. So all you see is his head and hands, but something about it is more is more engaging than that. It yeah. looks really good. You know, it's interesting. When I was in, I want to say junior high, I read an excerpt of his uh, biography. Maybe it's an autobiography, and he talked about just the depth of his despair just before he married June Carter cash and found Jesus. Yeah. And he got so despaired. He drove, he had a convertible and he drove it up high in the Hills of California and he's driving down the hill now on the twisties. Oh no. um, As fast as he can drive. And he stands up in the seat and opens his hands up in the air. He's not steering the car anymore. Just cruising down this hill. He turned off the headlights. So he can't tell where the curves are and he's just going to let this thing kill him. Oh my gosh! That's how uh, desperate he became, and I don't know. I don't remember what happened in that moment to get him to turn the lights back on and stop, or if he spun out, or what happened. Uh, but he really wanted to end his life at one point. Yeah, and I haven't even. I've been wanting to, you know, watch like Walk the Line was big when I was young. I think movie. I was too, I was too young at the time to see it. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's a really really good album, and uh, that's my media show and tell. We'll be right back. All right. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Thank you for listening. We had uh, some new uh, uh, Patreon activity this week. Uh, super grateful for that. Uh, if you help support the show, just know we're always always thinking about you guys. And super uh, grateful. Yeah, and we uh, at any time reach out to us uh, on Patreon. We obviously we listen to everybody, but you guys, you know, you, you can cut in front of the you line get if you need one to. and a half votes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, right. so going into this next conversation, this was kind of, it's the same dichotomy, but if the first one was about calling, this one to me is about posture. Would you say that's accurate? I would, and how you posture yourself and present yourself to the world, mm-hmm. even just to the Christian world or to the whole world. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so what what's eating at you about this? So this has been a long-running weird 
frustration and, you know, constantly part of the the scripture that I'm always relying on is the knowledge of the deceptive heart of man. Mm. So in all, if ever I feel very confident or indignant or, or righteously angry, I'm, I constantly am, am trying to check myself just to make sure, Hey, is this actually not, uh, totally righteous is this actually your 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 broken heart you know mm. so in this example it's this trend i noticed of church leaders uh, uh very successful uh, uh people of authority in the church um picking at or uh i you, you push back on this phrase a lot but but uh correcting or uh, having some conflict with certain activities, behaviors, people in the church, uh, en masse. So these would, these would be, uh, un non-specific direct or, or non-direct messages to the entire church saying, can you have an example? Yes. I've, uh, plenty of, of kinds of examples. So generally this would come up with it, it, the, re- when it stood out to me, it would be people saying, being frustrated with the church crowd who attends a bunch of classes, goes to church every week, does this thing and feels justified in that. And it was, it was, or, or specifically when we read the book, not a fan by Kyle Eidelman, there's lots of these in there about people who have the Jesus sticker on the bumper and who can do uh, camp, you know, Christian stuff like sword drills, quote unquote, where you mm-hmm. see if you can find your passage in the Bible. And they're being enough. really critical of that crowd as a group. Right. And uh, something was, was bugging me a little. And, the reason I could get past the self doubt on that was because I can't, I'm not particularly good at sword drills, quote unquote. And I don't, if you've noticed with my musical sharing, I haven't shared a gospel album yet. Well, Gary Davis, he counts. Anyway, by and large, I don't have the most pure music taste or things like this. So I, I didn't feel too convicted on the puritanical. So the whole secular sacred thing. music thing, for example. Yeah. People yeah. Who say, if you listen to secular music, you're not close to Jesus. So then on the other side of this, there was some tweets and this one, this one also made me think, well, maybe I'm onto something because this one was specifically puritanical. These were tweets from, uh, just a high follower count Christian page. Not, I don't think this person's a pastor specifically, mm-hmm. just an influencer and, uh, saying, you know, we need to, take our language more seriously. We need to not only quit saying the Lord's name in vain and swearing, but even quit saying words that replace swear words that sound kind of like swear words, like, you know, uh, heck or heck or, or, or shoot or yeah. Yeah. Any of those. And then, uh, you know, things like that. So then I, I was thinking, well, why did, why shut do- the front door? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, if you have you ever seen the uh, the censored version of Snakes on a Plane with Samuel Jackson, no. <laughs> it's like the TV edit. It's, That's hilarious. It's a riot. Anyway, yeah. there's plenty of that. Um, so I I had nitpicks with these, and then it really sealed the deal when I was reading again the beginning of In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen, mm-hmm. and he has things to say to people. He has things to say to the church, specifically He's church leaders. A master. He's a master. Henry Nouwen is a is maybe the best example of the uh, pilgrim postured master because mm. he comes in and he's he's only building. He has critiques only to say that you can do more. You can you can be, have more peace than you have. You can you know have more connection, be less lonely than you are right now. So that was my my kind of the resolution of why why am I frustrated in the beginning. 
And then I kind of began to realize why I was frustrated. Do you want to? Do you want me to keep going, or you have you have any comments? This this is really good. You know, unfortunately, you know Henry Nowen's dead. Some people might. He's not a mega common name. And is was he Catholic or Anglican? Yeah, or Catholic. Catholic. And uh, battled homosexuality his whole life, mm. and so very honest about his struggles and his deep, deep love for Jesus. Um, fortunately. You know, as a priest, he's called to celibacy anyway, mm-hmm. and that helped him in that battle. But it was a long, lifelong battle. Sure. But um, so the examples you used, I don't hear this very often. I don't I don't know who tweeted that stuff. I don't I don't have real time exposure, I think, to people who are saying if a Christian uses a fake swear word they aren't they aren't right with god you know i don't hear that kind of talk very often yeah i'm more here the if you voted democrat you're going to go to hell with with all the democrats i'm thinking more (laughs) (laughs) i don't see that one very often maybe we're just in different circles yeah maybe so i'm thinking more so so i wasn't wanting to bring a bunch of real-time examples because i don't want to i'm not here to to drag through the dirt yeah but imagine a a christian twitter account the guy's tweeting what's he doing is it ever affirming? No, it's it's always it is always some kind of criticism. It's always um, confrontational. Um, so they're and they're being provocative because it gets clicks. Well, and I again trying to believe the best in them as far as that empathy and, and humanization. I think that they might have you know they might think that this is for the greater good. I know but, a couple of guys yeah. who who argue with Muslims online mm. all the time it's their hobby hmm. they would say it's their calling that's kind of like an apologetics kind of thing yes in their and a couple of these guys get really mean hmm. um, demeaning to the ignorance of a certain religious view or something and there's nothing about that i enjoy like i don't even want to participate i don't even want to see it i don't want to sure. read it and so i'm wondering you know this i think is the question is this your love for uh, positivity, edification, love, and kindness? Right. And so you just hate that kind of behavior. Or, in fact, should all Christian uh, public influencing be constructive rather than destructive? And this is, again, this is what I'm asking myself this whole time. Because, mm-hmm. yes... It would be convenient for me if all of these convictions were universally true. <laughs> if, I, if I just happen to be wired correctly yeah. for all of these convictions. You're the pilgrim Rush Limbaugh. The, <laughs> the opinions <laughs> expressed on this program are right. Are correct. Yeah, not that. <laughs> so uh, I thought of a good example. And I, again, I won't use names, but specifically in the um, recent flare up of social justice and racial justice conversations. Yeah. And I, I hate to reference that as if it's a new thing is, you know, cause obviously it's been going on forever, but recently it's become more and more front and center. Mm-hmm. You see in the controversial was the word I was looking for. Oh, earlier. there you go. Okay. And this They're has trying to become, be controversial. Yeah. This has become intensely more controversial now because of the intensity and the flare up of it. Right. So I see, uh, there's, uh, not arguments I see against each other, but two sides of this coin. So, uh, black, uh, pastoral staff, fam- famous pastors of, of large black churches, you know, saying, hey, uh, white Christians 
you got to get involved. You can't just be. You can't take a pass uh, on this. Right. You MLK, have to have an opinion. When MLK wrote his Birmingham uh, uh, letters, uh, letters, they were to you guys. They were to the white pastors who were saying, you know, I'll be in here in the middle. And then, you know, white pastors saying throughout this stuff, don't bring this stuff into the church being divisive, mm-hmm. you know, these kinds of things. So the the soft aha that I had was these not addressed to to any one person you're addressing them to everybody or mm-hmm. to at least in that in that example that specific example a demographic who's who is being changed by that who in any way is not just getting uh um frustrated or or deeper entrenched de- yeah or or angry at that i think because again going back to i was like biblically what's going on here like like where can i look at to see if i'm on anything and there's a lot of rebuking is what I was looking for earlier. Yeah. I called a lot of these rebukes and you kind of push back on that. Maybe mm. these aren't rebukes with the examples of Kyle Eidelman and things like that. Right. You see a lot of rebuking in the new Testament letters or a lot of correction, a lot of, a lot of hemming, hedging in from again, a master Paul. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, well, why are those, those don't even begin to bother me. Is it because of course I've used scriptures inerrant or, or what's going on? And what it dawned on me was the relationship. Yeah. Paul knew these people by name. He was, he deeply loved them. He spent lots of time with them. He, he served was a them. spiritual father to them. Yeah. So this was my, my bone to pick is not against the, the discipline of correction or the discipline of shepherding or, you know, but because, uh, in our beliefs and in our, in our, uh, perfect examples of it, it is all relational. And so to see these, if a black pastor said to his white Christian friend, uh, this is what is, this is, I think you should get involved in this because of this, this is this the, and this. this is the gap that exists because you won't speak up. Right. And he could say that to him because I've got a relationship with him. Right. Or, or the puritanical one, your friend is not even attempting to control their language, mm-hmm. you know, or, and just being crass or whatever. And they're watching game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine? Yeah. And you maybe you take them aside and you have a conversation there because you know the person. Mm-hmm. There's already groundwork there. It's the whole, it's the Oikos principle down to every, to everything. That the relationship is the the, I use the word currency a lot, and it's just it's it's got too much baggage. But but relationship is the the chips on the table. That is that is the worth of any of these. It's the messages. equity. The equity, sure. It's the equity that you have to have the to have the conversation. Right. To be clear on the. On the uh, joke of uh, Game of Thrones. That's a reference. It's a reference to a previous episode, but yeah. it's also a show I would not watch. Mm-hmm. And many Christians do. And so uh, this brings up, this fits this conversation because my opinion is we should be extremely legalistic on ourselves and incredibly kind and non legalistic on others. Mm-hmm. Whereas typically, in this kind of conversation, we hear a lot of Christians getting this backwards. Yeah. I'm going to nitpick the snot out of you. I'm going to look at the, I'm going to look at the speck in your eye and ignore the beam in my own. Right. And I think part of the pilgrim posture is that I'm very aware of my depravity and I'll focus on correcting myself. Thank you very much. um, Unless we have a relationship and then I will speak up because I love you too much to watch you go down a trail that could, hurt you yeah and the my own yeah buts to this is when i you know when i think what if a person out of out of really you know 
uh, out of righteousness and out of uh, love for for people and out of you know prompting from the spirit. What if they've really got a bone to pick with the church? Mm-hmm. Many, many hundreds of thousands or millions of people in the church, you know. And so it's not. I don't want to. I don't want to stifle anybody. It, my my question is more on the efficacy of it, and does it really bring life? And then I think you know, like about Jesus, he addresses uh, the the religious authority as a as one being. He doesn't address them one by one. He mm-hmm. talks to you know Nicodemus, and I'm sure he knew most of them by name, but he doesn't say, "Hey, you specific guy, I'm talking to you." He's right. talking to Pharisees, capital P, right? And uh, that I wonder is different because of his level of knowledge of everybody. Well, and I think part of this, and this is my takeaway from this part of the conversation, mm-hmm. is it may not be what the master's objective is. It may be the how that's the problem. Mm. So, for example, if I'm a black pastor trying to get white pastors to engage in this conversation, rather than say, you're the problem. If you don't have an opinion here, if you're not putting this center stage at your church, you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You are extending the runway of racism. Okay, that's one way to say that. Another way to say that would be, hey, white, white pastors, I'm asking you as a pastor and as a brother in the family of God, what exactly are you doing to bring healing to this wound? Mm. And please don't let the answer be nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Now I've edified them, encouraged them without telling them exactly what to do or judging their motives or insisting that they're a big part of the problem. Sure. I'm calling them to a higher consideration. To be part of a solution. Join me as a pilgrim. Hey, yeah. we, we, don't, we, we don't know everything, but we know that this kind of hatred is not right. Yeah. And so, um, and that would provoke me that, that as a social media observer, that would provoke me. If a black pastor asked me, Hey, I don't know what you're doing, but please don't let the answer be nothing. That would make me go, man, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And what is my responsibility here? And how do I execute that responsibility in a biblical kind, constructive way that also gives truth and grace? So uh, I think that done well, this master, maybe let's call it prophetic um, burden, Mm -hmm. could be executed on a social media platform to the masses in actually a constructive way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if there was a so what to this, because you could say, well, if all the pastors got off Twitter, you know, what's left anyway is is there's no representation of of. Christ followers there, you know, and that's why more and more I feel convinced of and, and, um, given confidence by the belief that you can be called to do many, many things like not one person specifically, but the, the body of Christ can be called in all directions. Sure. So, uh, I would not immediately, you know, Tim Keller's a great example. I like Tim Keller's tweets a lot. Mm-hmm. He's he's very good at this. He would, by definition, be a Christian influencer. He's hugely, hugely influential and popular. But he uh, does not often, and I haven't seen every one of his tweets. So, if, you know. It's funny. Uh, I won't speak out of, out of turn here to say yeah, all of them. But yeah. the ones I've seen have been pretty, pretty uh, Pilgrim- tempered. Pilgrimorian. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what I would say is, uh, you know, he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He is dying. Yeah. And I have noticed him getting a little more 
pointed uh, punch. Yeah. Pointed. That's a better word. And he's under a lot of attack too. Uh, mm. uh, he has, I think the attacks on his positions has intensified. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, so what's well, your, what's well, your takeaway? From my this point whole to thing? say, just, yeah. just to wrap that up was just to say that if you felt called to enter that arena, yeah, then I would never say that you are, um, uh, just by contemplating that or just by feeling called to that being selfish or being argumentative or uh, what's that C word? Uh, Confer- uh, conf- controversial. Controversial. You want You just want to be, you know, controversial because I believe that you can be called to that. Uh, yeah. There's a guy named Mark Batterson. He says, criticize through creativity. So mm. rather than criticize what's broke, create alternative worlds and views that build a better world. And I think that inherently is more productive. That's the, you, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Mm. Um, so I, some of this is to me just communication wisdom. Yeah. And so I can hear some of our listeners in my head right now saying, you guys are wusses. You need to stand up for the truth <laughs> and don't be afraid to stand up for the truth because yeah. we need people to stand up. And I, so I, so I am for me, the clarity is not that I don't have opinions or convictions that need to be right. Uh, that need to be communicated. It is to communicate those as convictions um, with clarity and creatively in a constructive way. Well, and it's, so I'll use my takeaway to share one more facet of the Pilgrim thing. Really what this, when this occurred to me was that I had, I had this image in my head that I was going in my, my intellectual searches in my reading, my Mm -hmm. prayer, my time with God, I'm going around and I'm finding, uh, valuable tools for myself yeah tools of of knowledge and things that i cherish deeply my my recent um uh ideas on on time and uh again on the the diversity of the body of christ and diversity of callings all of these things i feel like i'm finding treasures that help me navigate day-to-day life i love that and it's been so amazing for me so that was what i meant and the double side of my specific hand I've been dealt Mm -hmm. is in fact cowardice. And so that's the dark side. That's the dark side of my specific temperaments. Yeah. So yeah, that's stand up and tell the truth more and more in my reading. I'm blown away by the And he mumbled there folks. So if you didn't hear that, he said cowardice, cowardice. That's what you said, right? Yeah, I said, I I, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I said it. I didn't, I had, I had, I, I gathered it through the context because I didn't understand it, gotcha. It's like you accelerated that word. Maybe I did because I'm because I'm a coward. <laughs> <laughs> but that claim about speaking the truth, we've been talking about that for weeks now yeah. about standing in the truth. Yeah. And Jesus was so brave yes. all the time under threat of of execution and and all yeah. manner of terrible things yeah. all the time telling the truth. It got, him, it got him killed. It got him killed. So that is convicting to me every day mm. that that I uh, hate telling people things they don't want to hear. Yeah. Uh, so that's not wrong. But but the posture, you can do that. You can stand up and tell the truth with that posture that we've been talking about. Right, right. Uh, so I, I hope, I feel like I have, I still don't have a ton of the so what. So I hope this has been helpful to people. Me too. And I, and uh, it, it may be so theoretical that people have had a hard time getting their arms around it. But please let us know um, if this was helpful at all. Our last episode, 126, mm-hmm. um, I believe when we recorded that episode, that that was a top five ever Jim and John episode. Uh, so far, the feedback has not borne witness to that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got negative feedback? No, the feedback's been, you know, equally 
uh, as consistent with other episodes. Gotcha. And to me, it was a significantly better episode. But this speaks to each of us being where we are when we're there. Sure. And what grabs you and what happens to be in the zone that you're in. And I think that um, that last episode was 100% in my zone of where I'm currently. I totally get it. Learning and growing. So, yeah. Uh, so I hope that's true for everybody who hears it. But as we keep realizing, you can never recreate your aha for someone else. No, not consistently anyway. Yeah. yeah. So listeners, please give us your feedback. We love it. Episode topic ideas. We always love to hear those. And uh, we're really grateful for you listening. Awesome. All right. Thank you, guys. If you uh, want to reach us or see more of us or however, you can find us on Instagram at Jim and John. No H in the John. Uh, our website, Jim and we have a, a blog there that I hesitate to bring up. We haven't been asking this lately, but but there's stuff there. But there is news, folks. Uh, I start a sabbatical actually this week, and so I will be writing a lot of blogs over my sabbatical. I'm going to start an archive, an, a, uh, a, 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 a repository of content. It <laughs> <laughs> may be a suppository of content. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, we're going to get faithful at, uh, blogging and at our newsletter. So if you want in on that, that's where you find out. You'll find that at uh, jimandjohn.com. And you can reach us at info at jimandjohn. And we'd love to hear from you again. Yep. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.